This podcast is hosted by R Double P. If you are easily spooked, creeped, or offended, this might not be the podcast for you. Hello, Lana Lunacy. <laughs> Hello, Gemma. How are you today? I'm good. Welcome, everybody, to I Think My Fridge is Haunted, a very creepy <laughs> A very creepy podcast for very creepy people. Very creepy podcast. Yet very again. smart podcast. Yet again, creepy. we're tired. We, I feel like the last few times we've been in, because but this, but this is the thing about, you know, recording this, on a Sunday morning. Yeah, this is it. Sometimes we, uh, you know, burn the candle at both <laughs> ends as... As they say. Yeah, last last time was for hay fever and then this time we actually like went out as cool people. We did things. Yeah, we did stuff. We did stuff. I mean separately. I, I, I went to a um a literary presentation yes. <laughs> at the and comedy theatre. I went to see my favourite author Gary Gennetti talk last night, which was so good. And I got to ask him a question at question time and uh, I had a great night. Yeah, he sounds awesome. He's just, he's cool. He's just such a great writer. What did you do? Oh, well, I went to Cherry Bar. <laughs> so that's a night. That was a night. I, my, my partner had never been and I was like, oh, we've got to go to Cherry then if we feel like it. And it started with going to find a chicken burger. We were like... <laughs> We're really hungry. We'll go find a chicken burger. And then we ended up on a train to the CBD at Cherry Bar. You're crazy. I know. (laughs) This is like, I was like, who am I? Yeah. (laughs) Who is this person? (laughs) It was really fun. We listened to 80s thrash and like. They didn't have a band last night? No, they didn't. I think we missed them. (laughs) More of a disco thing. (laughs) Yeah. By the time we actually got out, I was like, (laughs) it's bedtime. (laughs) Yeah. The bands are finished by the time you got there. Yeah. (laughs) Then we went to Heartbreak. Breaker, which is also a night. <laughs> like, right. Um, I told my partner, I was like, you go to Heartbreaker at like one in the morning. When right. Nothing else is, when everything else is closing, you go to Heartbreaker. And he was it was fun. Like, it was so fun. <laughs> I'd been there in ages and there was pool and there was all these like um, uh, UK tourists who had just come over to do working visas. So they were telling me all about what they do. One was a firefighter. It was very interesting. Cool. <laughs> I was like looking in two directions like, woo. Um, but yeah, I haven't been that drunk in a long time. You look great. Thank you so much. I re- It's the vitamin C serum. Thank oh, you good, so yeah. much. Um, no, it's been a really long time. I just, I, I haven't had the desire. And last night I was like, you know what? I want to break out of the matrix. Let's, let's go. Yeah. It was great. It's it was nice. so fun. But um, yes, yeah, so we've come in with our, our podcasting voices today. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been good. It was just like, why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I think I always get like, okay, I've got to record the podcast. I've got a lot. Like I do a lot on the weekends and last night I was like, you know what? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Let's take it old school. And um, Hydrolyte <laughs> once again saved my life. <laughs> uh, that's what I've got in my water bottle. <gasps> See? A, a very wise woman once said to me, take – put two hydrolytes in a glass of water before bed and then two in the morning. And honestly has been my saving grace ever oh, that's since. That's good to know. Yeah. It is the best trick ever. Sweet. Thank you, Scarlett. And I will know if you listen. <laughs> so we were just looking at the uh, Sunday paper this morning. Yes. What? What the hell is this? Car park hit. Okay. This is a Herald Sun. So you, you know. hear that paper, that ASMR. <laughs> 
Ooh, a physical paper. <laughs> a real paper. What do we got? Uh, up to four gunmen are on the run after killing a man and seriously injuring another in a suspected drive-by gangland shooting in Melbourne's north. Remember we're talking about uh, capable sons? Yes, A capable. few weeks ago getting yeah. uh, gunned down yes, during brunch. broad daylight. It says the gunmen opened fire on the two men at Craigieburn Central Shopping Centre on Saturday in what resembled a contract killing. Running up to a parked white Mercedes with the pair inside and firing at least eight shots into the car at 3pm. Like, now, the execution uh, is believed to be linked to the ongoing tobacco wars. A 27-year-old Craigieburn man died at the scene, while a 28-year-old man from, from Hadfield uh, with serious injuries was taken to the Royal Melbourne Hospital where he remained on Saturday night in a stable condition. Tobacco wars. I don't yes. know nothing about no tobacco wars. Well, let's go to page four, five. Let's have a look. Read the paper with us. <laughs> oh, man. It's just a lot of really wild. tragic, tragic pictures here. Oh, yeah. look, they've even put a picture of... Um, body. Look, I, I, there's the body with a sheet over it, there's, and there's even this fabric with blood. There's maps. There's police everywhere. You remember when we were talking about that cafe shooting and we were like, is this the beginning of... The gangland wars again, like I think it is. It there seems to be a like lot it. going on right now in Melbourne. Yeah, there really, really does. We're gonna have to come back to you guys on what this tobacco thing is, mm. but I'm guessing uh, just with you know, smokes be expensive they these are. days. It's like I don't know how much it costs to smoke, but it's a lot. It's too much right now, um, and um, I think people are going underground to get their their tobacco. Yeah, and you know whoever is is seeing an opportunity here, and they're saying, yeah, cool, I can get you tobacco. Yeah, for oh, you know, nineties prices. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nineties prices. That's it. Um, chop shops really. Were a big alternative. I don't know anymore, but like they were big alternative for a while. So they make their own cigarettes. So they chop it up themselves. Right. I don't know if that's a part of it. So is it illegal to have tobacco plants like in one's home? That's a really good question. I wonder. I don't like. Surely not. It just must be like. I mean, you can brew your own beer. Yeah, exactly. It just must be like you need a lot. Because it, cause you look at, like, especially loose leaf tobacco, it's quite, like, the leaves are teeny tiny once mm. they're dehydrated or mm. whatever happens. So you must need a lot right. to make a lot of tobacco. It is illegal to grow tobacco in Australia without the appropriate excise licence. Hey. That sounds like a rabbit hole. It does, and we could, we could talk about it all morning, but... Yeah. Not, it is not this day. Not, not, not on this day. <laughs> not on God's day. Did you hear about this story? Um, this is in The Guardian. It said a decades-old car, a battered Sam's Club membership card, and human remains found in the water during a clean-up in Florida from Hurricane Idalia might have solved the coal case, uh, might have solved a coal case missing persons mystery. Ooh. Crews clearing storm debris... And I, I think this is not the first time something like this has happened. Yeah, uh, the, like sometimes they find a lot. Exactly, like when a hurricane happens and during cleanup, you, you, they will find things surface. Things surface. They were cleaning cleaning storm debris 
um, from the Steinhatchee River in Dixie County, close to where the 125 miles per hour cyclone struck the coast in August. They made the grim discovery as they removed a damaged boat dock from a ramp. Sheriff said the remains were believed to be those of James Aaron Toole, who was 72 years of age when he went missing during a road trip to Florida in 1995. Whoa! Uh, He said contractors for the Florida Department of Environmental Protection found partial human remains in the water that had been there for some time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A law enforcement dive team sent down the following day discovered skeletal remains inside a submerged Chevrolet Cavalier car with a 1995 Houston County license plate. So it's really interesting to see what can be uncovered after natural disasters. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, well, great. I suppose (laughs) out of something awful. Yeah. (laughs) No, great. Isn't there a thing in, um, I think it's in New Orleans or like St. Louis, they, um, when like it's wet season, the floods come and if the, um, the graves aren't in a uh, high enough spot, they all get washed up and then they go down. That's the, like, why the rivers. They, in New Orleans, they, they all of their gra- graves are above ground. Yep, yep, there we they go. They have like, like ma- mausoleums, don't they? Yeah, yeah, up high because <clears throat> they all get washed up. Yeah. Which I have seen um, here in Melbourne. I can't remember which. Might actually be one of the Ballarat cemeteries. Mm-hmm. There are some like little ravines and stuff there and there's some graves there and it's like, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> like What, they've surfaced? They've surfaced and or they move. Because of all the mud and everything, they move down. And it's just like if you can't afford a better spot up the top, you have to go down there. And it's wow, yeah, I think that's in the oh, the new Ballarat Cemetery, which is actually like 1800s onwards. Yeah, um, they're still it's so expanding, yeah, yeah, super new. Um, but yeah, there's some really cool places. I love exploring cemeteries anyway. Yeah, cool, (laughs) love it. (laughs) Uh, faction freezer, yes. Facts from the freezer. Facts from the freezer. So uh, I was talking to my husband uh, a couple of nights ago and he, he's always sending me little, you know, articles. Oh, you should talk about this on your podcast. Keep in mind, my husband does not listen to our podcast. <laughs> That's this right. was made evident to me uh, the other day when he, he, he said to me, and I was incredulous, he said, you, you should do an episode about Bigfoot. I was like, are you kidding me? Do you listen Bro. to my podcast? We've done a double episode on people. Like, <laughs> seriously, really? Yeah. Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> Remember that time I was listening to, like, like watching back-to-back documentaries on Bigfoot and you just thought that was Tuesday? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, you would do that. Though. He's always sending me stuff and, and, and he does send me good stuff. Well, the other day he said, um, you should do an episode about tsunamis. I was oh. like, and I was like, um, oh, okay, that's random. And he goes, the tsunamis that we get now are like nothing compared to like prehistoric tsunamis. Like they were oh. mega. I was like, oh, maybe I'll look into that. So I was just looking into some facts about tsunamis. Uh, a tsunami can reach speeds of 500 miles per hour, which is almost the speed of a jet airplane. Holy hell. According to the website Fact Retriever, a tsunami is not just one big wave, but a series of waves called a wave train. Oh. Uh, The time period between waves is called the wave period, and it can be between a few minutes to two hours. 
So, you know, like, I, I always thought, like, a tsunami was just one big giant wave. Yeah. Like in that movie Deep Impact. Yeah, yes. yes. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's more just kind of like a series of big waves, just like, and the pressure of all the waves, it, it just floods everything. It builds up. Yeah, yeah. But I think I will do, like, a tsunami story at some point in the future. Yeah. I mean, how do we feel about some, like, natural disaster stuff? That could be interesting. Well, Chris and I were saying, you know, what, what can we do, like, um, Christmas? stories and she said oh we've done a christmas story we did cyclone tracy i said yeah that's a good christmas story (laughs) that's a great christmas story yeah well that could be so yeah we've done um cyclone tracy have we done any other natural disasters we must have surely we have to do vesuvius at some point oh yeah yeah, yeah. because um Love a volcano. Mm-hmm. Love a volcano. If anyone has any suggestions, uh, hit us up on Instagram. That's where we are mostly. I think my fridge is haunted on Instagram. Yeah. And tell us what you want to hear. Yeah. What have you got? Okay. This one's really weird, <laughs> which is the point. Do you know about tooth in eye surgery? So a tooth and eye or tooth, tooth in eye? Tooth in eye surgery. Do I know about Do I want you, to know about do it? Do you want to know about it? Not so, really. <laughs> Too bad. No, um, I found this really particularly particularly interesting because I've had laser eye surgery. Oh, cool. I got laser beams to the eyes. It was pretty cool. It wasn't. It was awful. But I didn't feel anything. It was amazing. And it's one of the most incredible things I've ever had. Why was it awful then? It's because you have to be awake. Mm. So you have to be awake and they. Um, <laughs> it's a full day. So it's like for me it was a full day of leading up to getting laser beams in the eyes. Right. And you have to do lots of tests. And the, like, the, the, the place I went to, um, uh, oh, my God, it was a little while ago now. I think it's New Vision Clinic in Cheltenham. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. They were amazing. Mm. I had three or four different nurses and doctors looking after me. And they were doing that for everyone. Because surgery itself is like 20 minutes. Okay. So quick. But right. you have to be awake. So <laughs> before you do, the, you, like, you have your last check-in before you go into surgery. And they're like, do you want any Valium? And I was like, yes. Yeah. Yes, of course. (laughs) So I had that. My mom was there. She's holding my hand and a nurse held my other hand because you have to lie back. There's this big machine that comes over top of you and you have to have the the speculums uh, put in your eyes so they stay open. That was the worst part, to be honest. Because when you are going through something, especially something medical, Mm. and you don't really – and you want to zone out a little bit, what's your first response? Close close your eyes. eyes. Close your eyes. The speculums were great because you feel like you're blinking, but obviously you're not. Um, So that was good. And when I did it, which is like close to six, seven years ago now, Mm. if not longer, um, (laughs) this is going to get gross. Um, What you have to do is they put this vacuum seal over your eye and it lifts up the top layer and it creates a cut across. Okay. Not all the way across, but then they open it up and then you have to look at a red dot and that's the laser. And there's a doctor over the top of you and he holds your head. And he was a praying mantis. Kind of. Kind of. He's <laughs> going in with his little tendrils. And he spoke to you in your mind. Yeah, yeah. We were connecting telepathically. That's what it felt like. Um, he's like, don't move. And I'm like, okay. And the next thing I know, I woke up next to the tent. <laughs> I was sunburned everywhere. Yeah. Very bad. And so thirsty. <clears throat> no, it was so embarrassing. He did one eye and he was like, cool, that's done. And then they flipped the little flippy over and they feather it and it's not sewn back together it just vacuum seals back into your eye then he had a cup of tea and a piece of cake while he looked over the footage whoa and i was just lying there like can we please finish this 
I've had enough. Um, did the other one and yeah, like it's so much more simpler now too. It's right. a little keyhole. Anyway, I don't talk about that often as you can tell. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I found that out about tooth in eye surgery. Uh, surgeons put a tooth in a blind person's eye to restore their sight. Is this some Victorian shit? I was about to, well, actually, not even. It was pioneered <laughs> in the 1960s. Okay. It actually works and it is still being done today. What kind of tooth? Well, tooth and eye surgery is a medical procedure that restores vision in the most severe cases of corneal or ocular surface patients. It includes removal of a tooth from the patient or donor or a donor. Ocular surface disease indicates damage to the surface layers of the eye, uh, uh, namely the cornea or the mm, conjunctiva. Mm. Uh, A lengthwise, uh, lengthwise uh, lamina or layer is cut from the tooth and a hole is drilled perpendicular to the lamina. So it's like a human tooth. Yep. Human tooth, so a, a slither is cut out. The hole is then fitted with a cylindrical lens. The lamia uh, grows in the patient's cheek for a period of months and then is implanted upon the eye. Tooth. Freaking hell. Yeah, I was like, well, I'm glad I didn't have to do that. <laughs> That's bizarre. So I've never heard of that. No, no. So I was like... Uh, the little little tidbit for myself, but there you go. I'm glad that I didn't have to put a tooth in my eye or grow it in my cheek for a little bit. Yeah. What? Who thought of that? That's really weird. Who thought of that? Brilliant. Brilliant in the but most bizarre. Gr- bizarre. I was like, teeth? Teeth. 60s, you say? I the feel 60s. Like- <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you know what you know would be Brad? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh my god i love it just before we get on to our story mm, mm. i thought we'd just share a little comment from our uh, social section as well do it had some fun comments um we got a really really nice also like mini review it was a comment to someone who was asking like um I'm going to be like sitting down for a while because of a, a medical thing and I put some podcasts. What can I listen to? And we got a beautiful review from uh, guards underscore Annie uh, <laughs> who wrote our theme song. She's she's a friend of the podcast. She is a friend. She's mm-hmm. a friggy. Um, she said, this podcast is brilliant if you like well-written stories of the horror, true crime, kind with wonderful banter. I think my fridge is haunted. I thought that was super lovely of her. Wonderful banter. If Wonderful you like banter. Teeth and eyes. <laughs> if you like talking about spiders and teeth and eyes. <laughs> I will say though, um, speaking of uh, creepy things in my house, we do have some cute things actually. Have I told you about the babies, the possums? <gasps> baby possums. No, they're just possums. But we call them the babies. Oh, they're little babies. Uh, so, <laughs> the past three nights, Louis has been like. <laughs> He's been forming a relationship with one of the possums. <laughs> he, he came in, he woke me up. Oh, He woke me up to tell me that he had held out a piece of tomato to the possum and she had come to his hand. Oh, no. And she sniffed it and then she went away because my dog barked. Oh. <laughs> so he was really upset. And then the next day, he after, um, like the next night, he said, she let me touch her tail. Oh, <laughs> like he is so invested in this. He goes down to the supermarket. He gets a bunch of bananas and a box of blueberries. 
<laughs> just for the blossoms. Yeah, just for the blossoms. Oh my god, that's so sweet. <laughs> Louis, you little angel. He's like really invested in this relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so we're gonna set up like uh yeah, because it's gonna be a really hot summer. So we're gonna it set is. up some sort of water system for them so they can drink and oh, he's just maybe laying, a little bowl. Yeah, he's laying the groundwork. So I will say space. though, the deck, because I had my breakfast out on the deck this morning and it, there was poo everywhere. I mean, the possums, they're just coming to Uncle Louie now and there's poo all over my backyard. They're making home in your home. It's your place is the place to be, apparently. (laughs) Welcome to Sort of Kind of Funny. Uh, We're a comedy podcast. Brother and sister duo. Where we take your guys' embarrassing moments and stories and turn them into humor because life's about laughing at yourself and we are sure going to laugh at ourselves. I am James. I am your main mac daddy host and i'm also joined by a loser go ahead wow. introduce yourself loser <laughs> go ahead don't be shy <laughs> this is lauren give it to them absolutely Baby. absolutely what are you what did you say <laughs> also we sing a lot so if you haven't listened to this first episode <laughs> i'm sorry we have new episodes available every thursday and would love nothing more than to hang out with you does that sound too desperate yes okay check us out wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'll see you on thursday and as always text me if you want to hang out bye what are we talking about what are we talking about what are we talking about (laughs) what indeed (laughs) well (laughs) this has been a really hard story to write because there's so many facets it's like a blood-covered disco ball. <laughs> that is the best description I've ever heard. <laughs> so we're doing bubonic plague. Yeah, We're talking about the, the Black Death. The Black Death. Yes, specifically the Black Death. Awesome. Um, as, as you know, it's, this is one of my favourite subjects of life, mm-hmm. and it's one of yours as well. It is one of my favourite, um, uh, like... We mentioned Carl Castle again the yes. other day. You used to be a fake peasant, didn't you? I used to be a fake peasant. I don't know. I was, I was pretty poor. I was close to a real peasant. A real, <laughs> yeah. real peasant. Uh, but apart it from, wasn't fake. It wasn't, I wasn't faking it. I needed the alms. Alms. Um, no, but apart from uh, performing and things like that, we used to do educational uh, sessions for schools. Cool. And it was pretty funny. So it was all the performers doing it. And we actually learnt, obviously, the the material. And then we teach. Uh, it was a primary school to high school kids. Right. Um, there was a heap of different sections. And whoever got there first on the day got to pick which section it was. So my favourite was um, torture, obviously. Mm. Torture. Um, apothecary. Ah. Yep. And uh, uh, siege weapons. Really? So we had like a, a mini, it wasn't so mini, it was pretty huge, a trebuchet and a battering ram. Oh my God. Yeah. I want to learn about that stuff. Oh my God. Well, it has been a while. That's why I'm so excited we're doing plagues. So I used to teach. Can I just ask? Yeah. <laughs> did you think that the battle for Winterfell in season eight was the dumpster fire that <laughs> I thought it was? And I don't even know anything about military tactics. Game of Thrones does an incredible reenactment, not a reenactment, but like a version of battle. And I cannot for the life of me remember what episode or what battle it was, but it's the one. Battle of the Bastards? I think so, where John's like climbing out of the people. Battle of the Bastards. That, to me, from what I understand, so accurate. Right. So accurate. Mm. I love that it's bloody and disgusting and they're drowning. The the Bolton army 
uh, formed a circle around yes. them and pushed uh, Jon Snow's army in together. So, like, it was like a giant mosh pit and they yeah. were all suffocating. Yeah, climbing on top of each other. Mm. Like, that seems... And then the Knights of the Vale came and... That's right. Saved him. So glad you know this because, like, that scene in particular with him clawing out of the people and breathing and they pan up with the camera will stick with me forever. Mm. It's just... And, like, I don't think there's, like, music in it. It's just the sound of the war. Like, it's it's incredible from what I understand. It's an amazing episode. Yeah, it really, really is. And from what I understand with siege weaponry and tactics, military tactics and stuff like that, that is pretty much what it would be. It would be disgusting. Eventually it would just be an absolute mess. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, George R. R. Martin, I mean, he, he, he does base a lot of his Westerosi stories um, on real life. Of course. For example, I mean, the question of succession in the House of the Dragons, you know, you can trace that back to the Battle of Hastings and Matilda. Oh, cool. You know, because, you know, William the Conqueror, well, he, he had a, a, his granddaughter, mm-hmm. Matilda, expected to take the throne. But her cousin, Stephen, took it because, you know, girls versus boys and all that stuff. And it started like this, basically the Dance of the Dragons without dragons. That's awesome. I love when, yeah, they do like actual historical research to back that. That's cool. That makes a lot of sense then because it was so good. Mm. Um, Yeah. So the siege weaponry was really fun because all the kids want to hit things. You want to hit? We used to. We had a big like fort thing that you could bash down the doors. Oh, really? Yeah. So you can actually <laughs> do it. So you go onto the arena where the jousting is. They watch jousting, and it's it's very cool. It was I've very seen jousting cool. at Crow Castle. It's so cool. It's pretty rad. It's, it's one of the so best rad. in the world. I've read um, that jousting is like becoming more of a thing. Yes. Which I am so here for. It's awesome. I love. I loved. There was nothing better than being like in oh, summer summer holidays and there'd be like thousand two thousand people in the park all around the arena watching this happen and you got to be on the arena like hosting it or something right if you got to be one of the peasants you you rile up the crowd basically it was so fun and then these knights come out and hit each other with giant sticks it's called a lance hello it's called a lance (laughs) i've had a knight's tail on on the brain lately but yes it was very fun i loved apothecary because i find um plants interesting and yes. botany and i used to we used well, you're to, a witch yes that's <laughs> it i loved it and when kids didn't pay attention i was like this is awesome shut up mm. <laughs> um, but i talked about the plague a lot during uh especially the apothecary uh section so it has been a long time and i'm really excited to get through all the actual meat of the information that you've I'm got really interested for for your opinions and you know to see if you can throw in anything in here yeah i hope so <laughs> be embarrassing if i couldn't but i i'm so excited and um what a weird time i always think about how um not always i always say this um what what state the world would be in if we didn't have the dark ages mm. where would we be Oh, that's such a good question. Mm. I think we need an expert. We're <gasps> going to need to find an expert, like a historian yes. or something. I love those like alternative universe things. I think uh, Love, Death and Robots does it in their first season. It's like um, when if you killed Hitler at a particular time, where would right. the world be? Like, yes. I, mm, I love that shit. 
So my sources today are pretty ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> World Health Organization, YouTube channel Biographics, the BBC documentary The Black Death, the podcast This Podcast Will Kill You. Check them out. They're so good. So good. The YouTube channel Weird History, theconversation.com, spartacuseducational.com, eyewitness2history.com, medieval history for dummies, healthline.com, brown.edu, ancientorigins.net, Wikipedia, Dr. Jess, and uh, also uh, an audio book called The Black Death, New Lessons from Recent Research, which is a series of seven lectures from Professor Dorsey Armstrong, who is awesome. <laughs> um, she's just like this medieval guru, and she's very, very interesting. And Amazing. She's, all this new stuff has come out over the past three years. Um, it's just such an interesting audiobook. It's really, really good. Cool. I want to get into it. Okay, let's start. Part one, by the way. Mm, part one. <laughs> Many pandemics have occurred over the course of history. The Great Plague of 1665, the Plague of Justinian in the 6th century, the Spanish flu of the early 20th century, and of course, COVID here in the 21st century. The Black Death, however, took place in the mid-14th century and is probably the most famous pandemic ever to descend upon the human race. Also known as the Great Mortality or the Pestilence. Sounds like a metal band. Yeah, it does. The Black Death caused more than a fever, uh, internal bleeding and the deaths of up to 200 million people. It was also responsible for possibly the most significant instance of social upheaval in human history, affecting trade, economics, racism, religion and the very fabric that feudal England was built upon, to name a few. Mm. So, <laughs> just a side note, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you everything about the plague because people don't know everything about the plague. Um, what I can tell you is what I've researched. Yes. And I've just basically picked out the bits that make the most sense to me. Uh, theories about the Black Death go in so many different directions. Um, some parts are still debated. So um, not being a medieval scholar myself, I can only give you what I understand. Yes. I'm just a podcaster. We're, we're armchair detectives. Yeah, we're armchair um, <laughs> historians. Yes, I think so. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, plague. What is it? What is it? <laughs> So plague is caused by a bacteria called Yersinia pestis. This we know. Whether this exact bacteria goes back to the 6th century outbreak is less clear. No. But it's pretty certain that it was responsible for the outbreak of the 14th century. This bacteria was identified in 1894 by Alexandra Yersin, who was a Swiss-French physician and a bacteriologist from the Pasteur Institute. And he studied the disease during an epidemic of the plague in Hong Kong. The cells of this bacteria are rod-shaped, like... Um, yeah, you know, like a like a like, yeah. like a cigari type of like shape. Him. It is a disease that is spread from mammals to fleas, which are the vectors, and finally to humans. The flea bites the affected animal, and it sucks its blood for food. Mm -hmm. And these are fleas that pr primarily feed on uh, rats and small mammals. 
So the bacteria from the mammal goes into the stomach of the flea and it actually goes into like a pre-stomach, like just before it gets to the full stomach. Oh, right. And it forms like a film Mm -hmm. so that nothing else can get in. Right. Okay. Um, And then while it's in this pre-stomach, the Yersinia pestis multiplies and mutates and gets big and strong essentially yeah it's like it's got into this pre-stomach and it's like right now i will form my true self yes it's my final form (laughs) yeah yeah so because the esophagus of the flea is blocked they can't eat anything else and all they can do is basically just provide an environment for for this mutation Mm -hmm. so what happens next is that the flea goes to bite another animal or person, but they can't swallow anything. What they do instead is they regurgitate this huge amount of bacteria in its stomach. Like they vomit it out. They bite, then vomit, it goes into you. Yeah. So that now, that mutated Yersinia pestis is now in the new host. Yes. So the flea can no longer consume any food or liquid, so they die of hunger. Right. right. Okay. So I know about that it was fleas because I know for so long we thought it was just the rats. Just rats. It's not. It's the fleas and the bacteria they travel on. But I didn't realize um, – I rather didn't know about that stomach thing. That's so interesting. So they die of starvation. There you go. Yeah. Wow. And the girls over at this podcast will kill you. Mm-hmm. They go into a really deep dive into that process. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So – When the plague spread throughout Asia and Europe, it is believed now that fleas only bit humans as a last resort. Mm -hmm. Mammals such as rats, marmots, even coyotes in America can carry plague. But it's only when these food sources die that the flea turns to other food sources, such as grain or people. So they don't just apparently eat blood they can eat you know organic materials like they can go veggie yeah <laughs> they can go vegan yeah yeah <laughs> how very progressive yeah. of them yeah. <laughs> studies have shown that fleas will wait until there is nothing else to feed on before they'll bite a human yeah right if a population of rats came into a town or a village and plague began to kill the rats off, say, in a barn or a cellar, uh, under a house, the fleas would wait until they were literally starving before they bit a human. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, this all comes from the Dorsey Armstrong series of lectures. This is fairly new research. Yeah. What I'm not clear on, and I can never quite get this answer. Mm Mm-hmm is whether plague or Yersinia pestis is a virus that can become active like a herpes virus in rats. Ah, become dormant and then... So do all rats just carry... Or say communities of rats just carry it. Carry it. And it can be dormant. And it's only when the fleas bite them, process the Yersinia pestis, bite another flea, and now it's like big plague. (laughs) Big big plague. (laughs) I don't know because from like my, again, understanding, and there is multiple kinds you might get into it, that as soon as it kicks off, your body has that immune breakdown and it 
reacts physically like i don't un, i don't know if it could be dormant that'd be interesting mm. Mm. but it's not until the flea comes in and and brings yeah yeah okay i I'm, see what you mean this is not what i'm clear on like why if all rats carry plague why aren't all rats dying of it and like yeah is mm. it this flea situation that just sets it off is that like all rats now sorry you're saying uh, no. Or just I, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure it's just black rats. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not clear on, is it every single black rat that ever yeah, lived? Yeah. Or is it just the odd community may have some sort of genetic mutation that makes them carry plague? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't understand that. Okay. Well, we'll see if we can get someone to answer that. Yeah. So there are four types of bubonic plague. And again, this is something that like some people say there's three types. Some people say there's five types, but this is what I've found to be, you know, most agreed upon. Yes. So bubonic plague is the most common Mm -hmm. affecting the lymph nodes, giving us the well-known black bubos, which would grow and fill with black fluid. Yeah. Um, which sometimes could be drained. So the buboes would often be the size of an egg or an apple. Victims would also have a high fever, headache, fatigue, and aching joints as well as vomiting. So it would be almost like having a flu Mm. probably in the first few hours and then you're in your neck, under your arms, and you're in your groin. You'd get these huge growths. Yeah, yeah, mass big bubbles. Yeah. Some people would die within just three days. If untreated, bubonic plague is fatal in between 30 and 75% of infections, often within 72 hours. Savage. From Spartacus Educational, the first symptoms of the Black Death included a high temperature, tiredness, shivering, and pains all over the body. So very much like flu. Mm-hmm. The next stage was the appearance of small red boils on the neck, in the armpit or groin. These lumps, called buboes, grew larger and darker in colour. Eyewitness accounts talk of these buboes growing to the size of apples. The final stage of the illness was the appearance of small red dots on the stomach and other parts of the body. This was caused by internal bleeding. (gasps) So once that happens you're done it's yeah sober yeah right wow the disease also caused cell necrosis of the entire body causing the body to start to decay even though the victim was still alive (laughs) savage isn't it (laughs) and apparently it's it smelled really bad yep like people with plague not nice Mm mm-hmm you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, uh, like, this is a weird thing, something I kind of didn't understand, and uh, apologies for the word. In the bubos, black fluid. Yeah. Is it pustule? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's like, is it like white blood cells they're trying to protect and things like that? This is getting I very would, medical. I would guess I so, and because it's basically this necrosis is happening. Of course. It's, so it's... It's rotten. It's literally rotten pus. Right. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, gross. So sorry, guys. We're getting into it. And I'm guessing, like, in a time that, you know, they don't have soap, they don't have Dettol. Yes. They don't have bleach. 
They don't have kitchen rolls. <laughs> like washing was not a common thing either. They don't have general. running water. Mm-hmm. If you're near death, you're not going to walk half a mile to the well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, it's, it would have been messy. Yeah, messy. Really and messy. Miserable. And you know what? It would just be a case of, you know what? Let's not even clean. Let's just burn the house down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Right. So the second type of plague was uh, septicemic plague. Mm-hmm. And this apparently was the most dangerous. Uh, this occurs when plague bacteria multiplies in the bloodstream and uh, so blood plague, basically. Mm-hmm. Symptoms include fever and chills, extreme weakness, abdominal pain, diarrhea and vomiting. Also bleeding from the mouth, nose or rectum <laughs> or from under the skin. What? Uh, it's just like, what? it's <sighs> almost like um, Ebola. That's a yeah. similar kind of, the, 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 those symptoms are similar to Ebola, which I'll, I'm like have a weird fascination with Ebola. Mm. Um, Also, blackening and necrosis of tissue, a.k.a. gangrene, in your extremities, most commonly the fingers, toes, and nose. Yeah, yuck. That's, like, one of my greatest fears is gangrene. (laughs) Sounds so stupid, but, like, imagine your fingers pulling off. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Don't, like, hike Everest. Yeah. Wear shoes. Just stay... (laughs) Where you know where it's not freezing cold, freezing cold, or <laughs> tropics. Don't go to the Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With no shoes, stay in the suburbs. Yeah, stay in the burbs. <laughs> Put that on t-shirt. Yeah, stay in the stay suburbs. In the burbs. <laughs> Done. The next type of plague was pneumonic plague, and this affected the lungs. Oof. This is a bad one as well. It's. So the difference here is that pneumonic plague, because it affects the lungs, what does that make you do? Cough and sneeze. Cough, sneeze, splutter. This makes it extremely contagious. And it's the only form of plague that can be transmitted from person to person. Right. Okay. Yes. So it's apparently the least common variety of the plague, but it's extremely dangerous because um, it can be spread through cough droplets. Yeah, yeah. Symptoms can begin within a few hours and may include coughing with a congestion of blood-filled mucus, difficulty breathing, nausea and vomiting, high fever, headache, weakness and chest pain. So all the bad things. Just everything. It's just a cocktail of bad. Yeah. Yeah. (gasps) Pneumonic plague progresses rapidly and may cause respiratory failure and shock within two days of infection. I mean, these symptoms are so bad that they're causing shock. Yeah. I mean, this this disease works so fast. Yeah, that's the thing that always got me is how quick yeah. it is. Like, you just – obviously, people – like, you just couldn't stop it. Yeah. Regardless of your status, you just couldn't stop it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so within about two days. So, pneumonic plague, bad. <laughs> uh, it needs to be treated with antibiotics in the present day, within a day after symptoms start, or it could still to this day be fatal. Holy shit. Mm. That's uh, like, uh, again, you might go into it, but like, it's still around now, plague. Oh, yeah. It's still around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder how it's like, is, is it something that a doctor will be like, I'm just going to check real quick if this is the black plague. Just let me have, like, it's obviously not the same, but like, I wonder if that's something that they just go, I'm just going to 
check real quick. Like, whether it's... <laughs> is it that? No. Give it okay. to me straight, Doc. Yeah, yeah. You got the plagues. <laughs> pretty much... I pretty much act like I've got the plague whenever I'm <laughs> sick anyway. So it'll be like, I told you. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> Call a <the> priest. <laughs> so there's another type called the abortive plague, which is also called pestis minor. This is the mildest form of plague where patients can develop a fever and a slight swelling of the lymph nodes. This type of plague seems to be easier to create antibodies against because it's not as aggressive. And once the victim recovers, they're immune to other forms of plague. Whoa. So if you're going to get plague, you want the abortive plague. So let's talk about geography. We generally know that the Black Death... It took over Italy, France, Spain and the UK in the 14th century from about 1347 to 1352. During this time, it is estimated that the disease killed anywhere from 50 to 200 million people. And it has been noted as being the the most catastrophic event in human human history. Mm -hmm. Theories on how many it killed... Very wildly. And it's really hard to make an estimation. It wasn't all written down. Well, exactly. This far in the future. And also because not all cultures had a written history. Yes, true. So, you know, if you're... And also languages change. Yes, yes. So over the course of, you know, the next 600 years, it it can be very uh, easy for... Uh, information to be lost to history for whatever reason. So where did it come from before that? Again, argued, uh, but it's theorised that the plague began circulating a century before the Black Death of the mid-14th century. That's that's a theory, but we do know that in 1331 in China, the Black Death killed 90% of the population in what was current-day Beijing. And we never hear about this. What? We always hear about plague Italy, plague Europe, plague Spain, plague UK. You don't hear about the Asian sort of part of it. 90%? Yeah. Wow. In 1200, China had a population of 120 million people. However, by 1393, uh, so... 193 years later, that number had fallen to 65 million, so almost half, oh. due to the the Zhuang dynasty, dynasty replacing the Ming dynasty, resulting in war, starvation, and plague. Yeah, so that's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> so it's a bunch of stuff. Yep. Wow. And none of those things helped any of the no, others. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't complement each other, no. It is thought that the plague moved west from there, mostly by silk traders and other travellers moving through Central Asia and the Middle East. Yeah, right. In 1335, the disease moved on to Persia. One third of Persians died, including its ruler Abu Sayyid. Cairo in Egypt was hit very hard by the plague and lost 52% of its population. Oh my God. People died in their thousands and homes and villages became empty. <sighs> empty or mass graves, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <gasps> it's insane. 
The holy city of Mecca in Saudi Arabia was hit quite hard in 1349 because it was a place where people travelled as part of pilgrimages called Umrah and Hajj. In one of these pilgrimages, Umrah, they form a circle around the Kaaba, which is a giant cube, you might have seen pictures of it, um, that's decorated in black and gold material, and it symbolises the Muslim worship of one god. Mm-hmm. It's in the middle of a huge like, city square uh, at the Great Mosque of Mecca. Some pilgrims will touch or even kiss the black stone of Kaaba as a sign of devotion. Mm-hmm. Muslims worldwide also pray in its direction. During COVID, there were restrictions in place because um, gatherings to this place, um, it was obviously uh, a place many people congregating and a a virus passing through (sighs) the population. Remember that? Yeah. One potential way that the plague was distributed was during a battle beginning in 1344 when the Mongol army, which was called the Golden Horde, attacked the city of Kaffa on the Crimean Peninsula over trading rights. So armies throughout history are notorious for spreading disease as they march from country to country. But uh, this this particular siege was quite famous for what they ended up doing. Oh. <laughs> so let's discuss the corpse catapult incident. <laughs> I've never been more present than I am right now. <laughs> so the Mongolians at this time were like, oh, you're not even taking notes. You're actually listening. <laughs> she's she's involved. She's here, she's present. Um so the Mongolians at this time were like like you remember you were talking about the Mongolians Yes you know Genghis Khan Genghis Khan putting all of his daughters in all these different cities and putting mm-hmm. them in power because they, they wanted to take over the world. Yes. Uh they wanted to move into Europe and they, they wanted they they wanted to create an empire. Yes. So you know, they were repeatedly trying to take key cities that were ports and trading hubs. Yes. So the city of Kaffa was ruled under the Italian Genoa. It's located in Crimea on the northern coast of the Black Sea and is in present day known as Feodosia. It's a port city that's got... So the Black Sea is like a circle and then it's got the Ukraine above mm-hmm. and it's got Georgia is to the side Russia is above that, Bulgaria is on the other side, Romania is above that, and Turkey is directly below. Yes. It's a dream location for Eurovision fans. Oh. <laughs> it's the hub. It's so many stars. Yes. <laughs> the Republic of Genoa uh, was a really big deal in the 11th century, and so the city of Kaffa was, was a Genoan city. And, and Genoa kind of like ruled trading rights and trading passages from the 11th century um, right up until the end of the 18th century. Oof. It controlled trade from east to west, including over the Mediterranean Sea and the Black Sea. In 1343, the Mongols invaded Kaffa and the Venetian territory of Tana. Because the Italians and Muslims in Tana were not getting along. So the way I'm understanding it is the Mongols just came in and they're like, you're fighting, you're fighting, 
no one wins because we're taking kaffa. We win. <laughs> yeah, we win. <laughs> Move aside. We're fighting. Excuse us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they want to take kaffa and they lay siege to the city. The siege lasted a year because the Italians... But well, <laughs> because the Italians... <laughs> Everyone jumped in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the siege lasted a year and the way it ended was basically the elven army came to Helm's Deep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. The Italians sent a backup army to kill 15,000 Mongol troops. And, um, but the Mongols, so they retreated. The next year they came back. So 1345, they come back and they lay siege to Kaffa again. Stronger. So, you know, they, they really want this city. Yeah. They cut off supplies to the city and the people of Kaffa had it really tough. So they, they're starving. They've got no medicine. However, the Mongolian army started dying of plague. They, so they brought back plague with them. When you think about it, armies have wagons and they're going to have like food stores on the wagons. Yep, all the supplies. They're going to have farm animals. You know, they probably bring goats, yeah, sheep, yes. cattle. They've probably got cattle and horses pulling the wagons. Yes. So somewhere along the way, they're going to have rats in place. Yes. The Italians blockaded the Mongol ports, trapping them and any supplies from getting to them. So without supplies, so we're talking food, weapons, medicine, armor, they can't stay if they can't fight. Yes. And, you know, a lot of their troops are dying of plague anyway, so they're forced to retreat. And they had been, they have been, you know, laying siege all up for three years yes, to this city. So it's getting old. Yeah, <laughs> we're over it. Yeah. O-V-A-H, Kim, over. <laughs> it's full of it. So, however, before the Mongols left Kaffa, they decided... It would be a cool idea to catapult a bunch of infected dead over the city walls. It's, it's brilliant. Take that. This our last, like, hurrah. Yeah. This is something that I used to teach when I taught Siege. Oh. Because we were looking at the trebuchet and it's like, there's a big wall there. You know, they can't get through. They can't get in. They can't get out. We can't get in. We can't get there. So what do we do? You ask all the kids, what do we do? We're all dying of plague a little bit. What do we do about that? And they're all like, oh, I don't know. And you go, what if we just like threw some bodies over the wall? And they were like, what? <laughs> you can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. You can in war. All's fair in love and war. In the 14th century. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the people of Kaffa, they collected up the cor- corpses and they, they put them all into the sea. But the plague oh. had already been delivered to the city. Splattered. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been messy. Yeah, it would have been disgusting. It's a lot of rock. <laughs> Some Genoese merchants ended up escaping in ships and um, they were like, <laughs> we're getting out of here. It's uh, raining. You can it's have raining it. plague bodies. We're <laughs> leaving. Imagine <laughs> the first one comes over and they go, no. They did not that. (laughs) (laughs) Anything but that. You got an umbrella? (laughs) I left it at home. I've got one that fits in my purse. (laughs) It's from Sheen. (laughs) 
so the the Genoese merchants that that fled, they they on the way home, they visited several trading ports and finally landing in Messina in Italy where 70% of citizens died. Oh my god. Uh, this the siege of Carfa was later written about by uh, the, the the plague chronicler uh, Gabriel de Musis. In modern times scholars believe that the the siege at Carfa although it did spread plague to the city that the golden horde had held siege to for, for 3 years. So many scholars believe that this was the first instant of biological warfare. So yeah. that they're delivering the plague to the city and it's spreading out from there. But there's this sort of a new sort of thought that if the siege hadn't happened, the plague would have spread out quicker because everything was like halting at Kaffa. Yeah, true. They're all in one spot. Yeah. For such a long time. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, and because trade was halted, nothing was getting in, nothing was getting out. Wow. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. Um, so which Dorsey Armstrong talks at length about this theory um, in her lectures. Love it. So if this siege hadn't happened, it's possible that the plague would have spread into Western Europe much, much quicker than what it did. Yeah, I wonder what kind of devastation it would have laid faster. It's hard to say. Yeah. It's really hard to say. So from Kaffa, the disease moved west over the next two years, infecting Italy, France, Germany, the UK. The chronicler Michel da Piazza wrote about the arrival of the plague in Sicily. In October 1347, 12 Genoese ships from the east arrived to Messina uh, and they had come from Kaffa. The, the locals soon began getting sick and linking this with the arrival of the Genoese. Oh, boy. They, so they, they banished the Genoese people. But the plague had already been delivered and the country just descended into chaos. Oh, my gosh. So Italy was um, a very densely populated place. It was, it was quite a very modern place in the 14th century. Um, and the disease also moved into Scandinavia. And this is the creepy story of how Norway got the plague. Ooh. In 1349, a ship carrying wool left England for delivery somewhere in Europe. However, the ship carried plague and one by one started killing off its sailors and merchants until all that were left were the rats and the fleas. Oh, my God. The ship finds its way into the harbour of Bergen and there it beached itself and the animals on board made their way onto land. It is estimated that a third of the country died due to the ghost ship of Bergen. Wow. Isn't that's that so weird. creepy. It's very metal. It, it, it is very metal. <laughs> oh, the ghost <laughs> ship. That's so creepy. It's, it's, like, it's like one of those Mother Nature things. She's like, it's going to happen. I'm just going to tip you that way. There you go. No one seems to know. So let's talk about like where did the plague sort of come from? Mm-hmm. Um, no one seems to know where the disease originated. And scientists, they sort of surmise that what is called a reservoir of Eusinia pested existed possibly in China, southern Russia, near the Caspian Sea or in Mongolia. Okay. Developing in the biology of rodents such as rats and marmots. Other animals known to carry this bacteria can include mice, squirrels, rabbits, prairie dogs, chipmunks, and cats. Okay. Mm -hmm. The plague has even been known to be present in the US in modern times. 
And did you know New Mexico has the highest number of cases uh, in America with 253 cases reported from 1970 to 2020 and people can get plague from direct uh, contact with infected animals or their tissues. So things like picking up roadkill. Or um, or eating infected animals, like, you know, hunting, things yes. like that. <sighs> and I don't know if this is true, but I read that plague is considered a potential... Sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> John doesn't like it when we say, I don't know if this is true. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Just weird. This is what we found, Dad. This is God. a podcast. We don't have a budget. <laughs> <laughs> Plague is allegedly considered to be a potential bio-weapon and the US government has plans and treatments in place if the disease is used as a weapon. So, so, a while ago when my dad went to America mm. to serve in um, the Nevada desert. Sweet. He, yeah, it was amazing. Um, Bit of he, gambling on the side. <laughs> oh, he went to Vegas, all right. Did he um, see Brittany? <laughs> I bet he did and he didn't tell me. Um, um, But when he came back, he brought back this document and it was like, I don't know if it's real. It was kind of a joke. Um, But there is a zombie plan. What? Document. I should find it and I'll bring it in for you. But I don't know if it's like necessarily because of plague, but like I assume that maybe they're like, just in case that happens, this is the plan. It's not just like push this red button is it it's like carpet bomb the entire continent refresh the world (laughs) (laughs) operation daisy cutter (laughs) no it's like how to fight them and where to strike and it was it was just the weirdest thing and i was like is this real and he's like oh yeah it's real and i'm like is it though (laughs) by some senator's five-year-old kid (laughs) whack it on the head yeah yeah (laughs) Double tap, double, double tap. tap. Um, yeah, so that's – I fully believe that that's a real thing. And I don't know whether to feel comforted or scared. I know, right? Especially, I feel like us minions will just be kind of like left behind for food. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I always thought I'd go to Costco if the zombies invaded. They've got those big cages. Brought it all up. you got food forever. What about a toilet? Bucket. Bucket. All right. Freezer. that's the pee freezer anyway (laughs) anyway so i fully believe that this is true like if they have a plan and like they probably need to so i want to take up archery because i feel like my upstairs balcony would be a great vantage point to get zombies yeah and i could just you know you don't need ammunition you can just pretty much make your own arrows yeah whistle Whistle, yes, whistling <laughs> all the time. Whistle out of chairs, whittling and blues. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Cow out shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. I used to um d- uh, like very lightly teach archery at Kryle as well. I've done archery at Kryle. It's, it's so fun. It's like so they're fun. teeny tiny bows. They're very yeah, good. Yeah. But um, I love archery. Mm. I love it. Yeah. There's an archery place in Caram Downs that I want to go to. We should do it. Let's we should. We go. should do it. Like for. The TikTok. The TikToks. I have a weird fascination with like old world activities. Anything basically that Lara Croft would have done, I want to do. Horse riding. Jousting. Jousting, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Flying through my giant mansion on aerials. Like, yeah, yeah, basically I want to do that. Yeah, let's go do archery. (laughs) 
Okay, so back to the story. Once, <laughs> once fleas have found their way from animals to people, that's when the Black Death began. Right. So the fleas and rats travelled from human to human through travellers, merchants, armies, travelling cross-country as well on ships. That's the best theory I think that we have. It seems like, yeah, it seems yeah. pretty straightforward to me. Yeah, exactly. So where did, where did people back then think it came from, though? Well, that is a great question, isn't it? So Christians were pretty sure that they'd been forsaken by God. At this point and thought that um, God had aligned the planets in a certain way so as to affect the human race to punish them for their sins. It is also believed that God sent a comet to bring the plague to earth. And they also blamed the birds. The birds brought it. The bird. Well, look, birds have been known to spread plague in the past, so they're probably not too far off. They probably they, how quickly it was spreading. They, they were like, it has to be flying. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes yeah. Sense. When the plague arrived in Europe, people began dying in their thousands. So I suppose as you're coming, like you know, through you know, Eastern Europe, Western Europe is very vastly populated. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people all in one place. They're Small forming place. cities. They're forming towns. They're they're importing and they're exporting so once it hits western europe that's you know when things are going to really go south yep some people believe that half of italy's population was lost due uh, due to the black the black death now people were worried that their souls would be barred from heaven because they may not be able to receive their last rites and because the priests either wouldn't come to them or, or they were dead yeah yeah <laughs> In 1349, the Bishop of Bath and Wells wrote, The continuous pestilence of the present day has left many of the parish churches without parson or priest. If they are on the point of death and cannot secure the services of a priest, then they should make the confession to each other. (laughs) Lana, if no man is present, even to a woman. Oh, well... How progressive of them. Yeah. How good of them. <laughs> Pope Clement VI comes up with an even better solution. He announced remission of sin to all of those who died of plague. Mass plague, remission. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. It's all right. It's not your fault. It's all you. <laughs> the country of Italy descended into chaos. Entire families were dying and, 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 and homes were being left empty. Houses were pillaged or left to squatters. There were no authority figures to stop them. Yeah, right. The remaining people had to begin to create mass graves uh, or what we know now as plague pits. Yes. In some cities, a thousand people a day were dying. I was reading, um, they actually found a big plague pit in 2014 under the Uffizi Gallery in, um, in Florence. Oh, wow. Which, I've been there. It's just bizarre, just thinking under your feet. Yeah, there's, um, uh, the old cemetery in Ballarat has a mass grave because of uh, miners dying in the, uh, for courts getting into their lungs. Oh, really? Yeah, it, there's just a, 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 a filled with graves and then there's just this like parkland. And you kind of you stand there and um, got a, a tour done of it, and it's yeah, mass grave. And you're standing there, and six feet under, not even sometimes. Really, that's where people. they are. And it's such a weird feeling, isn't it? I don't huh. know what it is it, about standing somewhere where you're like there are 
hundreds, if possibly people thousands here. of people under me. It's very weird. Yeah. There's something sort of uncomfortable about knowing that there were so many of them dying as well that they were probably quite haphazardly put in there as well. Oh, yeah. Few doctors were brave enough to treat the sick. People wanted to make wills on their deathbeds, but the lawyers wouldn't come. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Priests often wouldn't come either. Obviously, they're either too afraid or they're dead. Yes. As a result of so many people dying, people started to starve because no one was harvesting the crops. No one was preparing food, making flour, like processing flour. They weren't baking bread. They weren't slaughtering animals. You know, they, they weren't picking fruit. They, nothing was getting done. I would probably presume that the streets were probably a bit of a mess too. Yes. I don't know what kind of rubbish collection situation <laughs> that they had, but that wasn't happening anymore either. You know what it was? It was a guy with a cart saying, bring out your dead. <laughs> yeah. Bring out your dead. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Monty Python has it right. They know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, I don't know what people were doing. I don't know what people did with their rubbish in the 14th century anyway. Well, I suppose there wouldn't be nearly as much rubbish as Everything would have been pretty much biodegradable back then anyway, but you would think that they would kind of have some kind of landfill solution, I guess. It sounded like it was pretty disgusting, though, like just everywhere. So it's probably disgusting in normal times, but mm. now everybody's dying. You know, there, there's, yes. no there's no food. No food. There's no sanitation. I mean, it would have just been chaos. Yeah. It smells disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Yuck. And people were just kind of putting themselves into uh, their own sort of like historical version of human distancing or, you know, what, what do we call it? Social distancing. distancing. Yeah, yeah. So the plague chronicler Giovanni Boccaccio wrote, One citizen avoided another. Hardly any neighbour troubled about others. Relatives never or hardly ever visited each other. Moreover, such terror was struck into the hearts of men and women by this calamity that brother abandoned brother and the uncle his nephew and the sister her brother and very often the wife her husband. What is even worse and nearly incredible is that fathers and mothers refused to see and tend their children as if they had not been theirs. Wow. And that's where I'm going to leave part one of Plague today. So much crazy stuff happens. It's it's so insane and, like, such a weird thing. I know we've recently been through a pandemic and mm. it's still, you know. I've heard. <laughs> I've heard of it. <laughs> of. And, like... We thought it was pretty horrific. It was. But hearing about this is just like, <laughs> we haven't seen anything like, and good. Well, good. <laughs> I think the main difference between our pandemic and theirs was we've got Netflix. Yep. We've got stuff to do. We've got stuff to do. We've got mm, the internet. That's right. Um, you know, we, we had Zoom and we, you know, we can. We're able to interact still. You know, we can do, we can do looks. Yeah, TikTok, lyrics, you know, things to do. But I just don't think that they had a lot to do apart from, you know, survive. <laughs> stare at their brother's corpse in bed because yep. they lived in a one-room house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rotting away over there. Yeah, that was uh, um, something, uh, again, I used to kind of teach. And it, you might be able to answer this properly for me. A lot of this. Not a scholar. No, of course. Of course. <laughs> 
Dr. Gemma. Um, one of the things we used to say, and again, it could have changed now, is because of the fleas, get into the clothing. It'd be warm enough so when the dead are stripped of whatever, there was all these clothes left over so other people were just taking them and then yes. spreading the pace. That's a really good point. Really are like – they just wasn't thinking. They yeah. weren't thinking because yeah. they didn't know how it was a spread, obviously. Mm. There were rats and animals, and like they used to keep the animals in the house a lot mm-hmm. as well to keep warm and to keep like warm. That. And it was just happening and happening and happening. And like, it, yeah, it's just something so simple as, oh, I'm just going to steal this guy's clothes. Awesome, free clothes. And also, like, even if you said, oh, maybe I should give this a wash because it's got some pus and blood on it. Yep. And then you wash it in a bucket and then you're just like, I'll just give myself a little rinse. Yeah. It's the same water. Yeah, it's the same thing. You know, so there's a lot of cross-contamination. Yeah. Because I guess back then, because they didn't know about bacteria, because they no. couldn't see it. Yeah, exactly. And if back then, if you can't see it, it's not a thing. It's not it, real. Except for God. Oh, except um, for God. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, there's more to wait. come. There's more to come. Can't wait. It's it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> it's a dumpster. <laughs> this is so wild. We have what what eight billion people in the world again. Oh, actually, again, ever the most, and 90 percent of populations were wiped out only a couple of hundred years ago. Like it's just yeah. it's insane. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. it. I love talking about the plague. <laughs> Me too. It's so. Fun. It's so. It's so removed from modern life. Yes. Um, I find just medieval times fascinate me. Same, same, absolutely fascinating. And like, again, it's one of those things that I'm like, I'm so angry. We could be so progressed by now, but the fucking dark ages ruined so much. Like we could be so much more advanced. But can we not learn from those times? Uh, You'd think so. (laughs) <laughs> you, you would hope, hope. So. <laughs> you'd hope so yay well i can't wait for part two thank you but some would say that advancement can be a curse as well as a oh, blessing yeah. i'm so, sick of my phone get rid of it yeah yeah so um yeah anyway listen it's <laughs> yeah more to come there's more to come please discuss the plague with us online we clearly love it yeah yeah <laughs> are you obsessed with the plague yeah tell us <laughs> I think my fridge is haunted. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, TikTok, Facebook, all of them. Come talk to us. I would love it. Till next week, Lana Lunacy. Until then, Gemma, be creepy. But don't be a creep. Yeah. (laughs) Don't spread the plague. (laughs) 